you very much. Well, it's um, yeah, been great to be on Welcome this morning and just see you all as um, we've come into church. Great to worship together. Um, and I really pray that, um, yeah, the, the words that God's given me for this and the message that I've got for you, um, yeah, just really God's at work in your heart as, we, as I speak. Um, so at the moment, as you know, we're in a series looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus, what he says about who he is. Um, and as Jill was um, sharing with us about that, um, the Hebrew word, the Yahweh, um, I am isn't just, when Jesus says I am, he's not just saying, uh, for example, I'm Joe or I'm the communications director at London City Mission. No, what he's saying um, in deliberately using this name that I am is Yahweh, um, he's deliberately using that as the name that God has revealed to Moses. So when he says these things, he's not just talking about who he is as the man, Jesus, but he's talking about who he is and revealing truths of who God is. And today we're going to be looking at what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and what this means for our relationship with him today. Now, before I read the passage, I just want to put it in context. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, his closest followers, his friends, for the last time before he's crucified. They're in the upper room, and they're eating their Passover meal together, And remembering what God did in bringing um, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. They were remembering who the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is as revealed to Moses. And in this context, Jesus has been washing his disciples' feet. He's predicted his betrayal and Peter's subsequent denial. And now at the beginning of chapter 14, the disciples are feeling concerned, worried, anxious about what Jesus has said. And as I read these verses, I want you to put yourself in the middle of it. Imagine that as a disciple, you're there listening to what Jesus is telling you, that he's going to go soon, but not to worry. Imagine how you might be feeling, how you might respond, the questions that you might have. And ask Jesus to speak to you as you listen to him now. So I'm just going to read from um, John 14, and the words should come up um, behind me as well. So we're going to work our way through it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And that the Father is in me. 
The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to be with the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let's leave. So it's such a privilege and an honour to speak on Jesus being the way, the truth and the life this morning because it's so closely linked to my own story of how Jesus wooed me to himself. And my prayer is that as I speak that the Holy Spirit would just be at work in each of our hearts and our minds revealing more of himself to us. I came to faith to trust in Jesus when I recognised that he really was the way, the truth and the life. I had believed in God and Jesus since I was a young child, but as a teenager, um, I stopped going to church, didn't think it was cool enough, I thought I could deal with um, God when I was older, Um, but by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I started to explore faith for myself, and I began to attend a church, but I was finding it really hard to reconcile the relationship that I had with my boyfriend at the time um, with the relationship that I really wanted with God, and I argued it away with God for a long time. Until one day, the Holy Spirit was clearly at work in me, and something just clicked, and it made sense. The truth that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, that he really did die on the cross to save me and give me life. 
And choosing to accept that and follow him really was the only way to be reconciled and have that relationship with God that I wanted. And so I surrendered the relationship with my boyfriend to God, willing to trust the truth of who he is. And then the relationship ended just a few weeks later, but I knew that that was God's answer. And although to many at the time around me, it looked like I'd lost my life, my home, my friends, my future, but to me, I'd gained the most amazing relationship in Jesus. He provided um, me with somewhere to live. He gave me um, new brothers and sisters in Christ. And he restored my damaged relationship with my parents. Sorry, I'm just going to move this back because I've just got the sun in my eyes. No, that's worse. Um, Now, I wanted to read the whole of that chapter. I know it was quite long, but I felt there's so much in there that's linked to this statement about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm only going to touch on some of the insights and revelations that I've had um, as we go through this. Um, But I really hope that you capture something of the beauty of Jesus's claims here. And maybe just spend some time this week just reflecting on these, um, on your time alone with God, um, and exploring further what he's saying to you in relation to this passage. So we're going to explore what it means for Jesus to be the truth, the truth of who God is, his unchanging character, his promises, his love. He is the cornerstone, the plumb line, the solid foundation on which we can build our lives. We're going to look at the life that he's come to offer us, the restoration of the life that he's purposed for us right from the beginning by reconciling and joining our lives to his. And we will find the way that we can obtain this life, the way into God's rest, into his peace, into his abundant life, both now and for eternity. I just wanted us to read um, the the verse again from the Amplified Bible, which I think will come up. Thanks, Anne. Um, Here it says, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And I think those emphases were quite helpful there. Just in terms of Jesus being really clear, we're not talking about a fake life or a double life. We're not talking about subjective truth. What Jesus says about himself is so important in our walk with him. So I want us to look at what Jesus tells us in this passage about each of those three aspects of his statement. So I am the way. Jesus was telling his disciples that he would be going to the one who sent him, but that they can't find him there. They don't fully understand, and they're anxious, and they're worried. They want to know where he's going, and they want to know how the way that they can follow him to find him. In the Passion Translation, um, which I think should come up, yep, um, Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And it's that union bit that I just wanted us to look at there. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. My Father's house has many rooms. I am going to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, there's a beauty in this passage that unless we understand the Jewish culture at the time, 
we could potentially miss. And I first heard this from a video that um, Mike Donahay from 10th Avenue North have put together. I think some of you might have seen it before. Um, but it's really interesting, so I'm just going to share um, the main points from it. Um, Jesus picks up what is believed. So they're having the Passover meal. There's various cups that um, are poured, in, or various cups of wine that are poured during that um, observance. And it's believed that Jesus would have picked up the third cup, which was the cup of salvation. And he offers it to his disciples, saying, this is my covenant, take it and drink it. Now, this is outrageous for two reasons. One is he's claiming to be God's promised Messiah. And secondly, in that culture, what the disciples would have heard was, will you marry me? Now, according to tradition, at that time, a couple would be betrothed, so they'd be legally bound in marriage, but it wouldn't yet have been consummated, um, through a ceremony in which the man would pour a glass of wine, offer it to the lady, and wait to see if she would drink it as an acceptance of the proposal. The man would then announce, I am going to prepare a place for you. I will return to you when it's ready. And he would leave his betrothed with her family while preparations were made for her in his family's home. This could take up to a year, and in particular, he would be building a room for her, and the room was an extension of his father's house. And he didn't get to decide when the room was ready. He had to wait for his father's approval. And at which point then he could go and get his wife uh, and bring her to the home. She wouldn't know the day or the hour that he was coming, but would be preparing herself for marriage and would be known as one who was bought with a price. So it's just really interesting to see the parallels there. And to that context, Jesus pours the cup and he says, this is my covenant take it and drink it. And the disciples accept it and drink it. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to my father's house and will prepare a room for you. And I will come back for you. Now, fast forward a few hours in the story and Jesus is talking of another cup. This time he's praying to his father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This cup was the cup of the Father's wrath upon the whole of humanity. The punishment, physical, emotional, spiritual, that Jesus was to take upon himself as the only way for the sins of the world to be dealt with and for death to be defeated through Jesus' resurrection. Now, it would be a cruel God that caused Jesus to die in this way if there was another way to have that restored relationship with the Father. But this was the only way. And it was plan A. It wasn't a second plan that God kind of crossed his fingers and hoped that would work because his first plan had failed. No, this was his plan from the start. And when we look back, even as early as Genesis chapter 3, um, we, when God is speaking to the serpent in verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And they're talking there about Jesus and the Messiah. Now, going back to the supper in the upper room, the amazing thing is that Jesus isn't just proposing to his 12 disciples, but he's proposing to each one of us. And if you've not already done so, will you hear his invitation today? He offers that to you. Will you accept his cup of salvation that he's offering? The second part of the statement, he says, I am the truth. 
It, that what he tells us, whether it's specifically here regarding the way to the Father or more generally through his life, through his word, that it's not lies, it's not fact distorted for a particular gain. No, what he's saying is true because he, Jesus, in his very character as God, is truth. Jesus is the visible, tangible image of the invisible God. He reveals what God the Father is like. The search for God, for truth, for reality ends with Christ. There is nothing false, nothing misleading, nothing fake or uncertain in him. And this is in stark contrast to um, the devil who Jesus describes in John chapter 8, verses 44 to 47. He describes him as being a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus goes on to say in today's passage that if we love him, the father will send another counselor to be with us forever. And he describes this counselor as the spirit of truth, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ himself. And Paul confirms this sending of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, verse 9 to 11, when he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Jesus tells us the world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus tells us that the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It's through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, that we are guided, given wisdom, discernment and revelation. As we navigate through life, it is the Holy Spirit who guides us in truth, in the way we should go. 